This is the Intimacy Podcast, formerly known as Bedroom Confidence for Good Women. You are listening to Bedroom Confidence for Good Women, Episode 39, Trauma, a discussion with Lindsay Pullman. Welcome to Bedroom Confidence for Good Women, a podcast for my sisters who need some clean sex talk. It's all about real issues, real answers, and real connection. I'm your host, certified intimacy coach and instructor, Rhonda Farr. While this podcast is not rated explicit, some content may not be suitable for younger listeners. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast today. I have a very candid and open conversation to share with you with certified life coach, Lindsay Pullman. Lindsay works with women who have experienced trauma in their marriage. She got into the work after working through her own trauma after finding out that her husband was secretly viewing pornography to cope with his own stress and his own unique set of issues. As always, the insight in this podcast can be applied to many different scenarios. Trauma can come from various behaviors and in all types of relationships. Please apply the information you hear today in the way that is most relevant to what you are going through. Please enjoy. Hey, Lindsay, welcome to the podcast today, and thank you for your time being here. We really appreciate it. So can you tell my listeners what your jam is, maybe why you got into it, and where we can find you after this podcast if we want to hear more about you? Yeah, of course. My name is Lindsay Pullman. I'm a life coach certified through the Life Coach School, same place as Rhonda. Um, and I am, I'm, specific, I'm a marriage coach specifically for women whose husbands look at pornography. So um, I kind of just help them through that process um, when they're struggling or grieving or things like that, get to a place of peace and happiness. Um, and you can find me online. I'm kind of everywhere. I'm on Instagram, Lindsay Pullman Coaching, Facebook, same name, and then my website, same thing, lindsaypullmancoaching.com. And we should say that it's P-O-E-L-M-A-N. I just asked her about that before we started recording. So Lindsay yeah. Pullman with an E. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So before we get started, can you tell us, like, why did you get into this specifically? Why is, you seem pretty passionate about it. Most people don't go into a niche like this unless they're passionate about it. Can you tell my listeners, like, why this is so important to you? Why are you doing it? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, that is like, when I think about that every day, that's kind of what helps me get fired up about what I do. But um, yeah, so Four years ago, I learned that my husband had been looking at pornography behind my back, and it kind of, not even kind of, it wrecked me and broke me in all the ways. If any woman has ever experienced this before, um, they, they probably know to a degree what, what, I'm, what, I, what I mean when I say that. Um, and I just, for the longest time, just didn't think anything could get better unless he was like 100, my husband was 100% healed, 100% fixed. And at the same time, he stopped working due to some mental illness. So I was like, we can't be okay until this, this, until he does, you know, he's working again and he stopped this, like, I'll never be okay. And eventually, you know, um, I went through therapy and which was incredibly helpful, but eventually I just realized that 
I was compounding some of my pain with the way I think and some of my thinking patterns and some of the beliefs that I have about myself and, you know, what my marriage should be. And once I kind of shifted those, I just like, like everything changed so much that I, you know, left my career as a CPA to help people do what I do. Because if I could have had me three years ago, I would have like been in heaven. Like I would have just, it would have been so helpful but I wouldn't change anything. It all happened the way it was supposed to. <laughs> I love that. It all happened the way it was supposed to. And I hope we can touch on that in a minute. Okay, I'm gonna ask you a question that we didn't talk about before. So I'm sorry, but when you said it, it, it came up. You said, you know, I changed my thinking about my marriage, about how I wanted things to go, all that. Did you change your thinking about pornography itself at all? I'm really curious about that. Yeah, I did, for sure. So. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that because I think, and culturally, right, like we both work with mostly Latter-day Saint women, although I think we both are open to all types of clients. I, I work yeah. with, with other religions and backgrounds as well, but I right. think for our little group, there are some very strong opinions about pornography that have been ingrained into our minds from a very young age, and I'm not saying that's all bad, but sometimes it can set us up for catastrophic thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. Like I have some clients who will come to me and you know, they'll, they say like, we will not make it to the celestial kingdom unless my husband stops, which means I can't make it unless he stops. And which means unless he stops, we can't stay married. It can some, you know, sometimes we tend to catastrophize like, that right and so it's it can be that extreme but um you know the way i think differently about pornography is um i think of it as a way that people cope with who are in a lot of pain or they want to they, they want to numb out in some way so they have some you know some emotion or something that's too painful it could be some childhood trauma it could be other trauma it could be so many different things and like I know so many people who struggle with pornography and the last thing they want to do is look at pornography, but because they don't have the tools to handle and deal with the emotions that are coming up, you know, they just don't have those tools, then they numb out. Yeah. So it's, to me, I see it more as like a coping thing than, um, yeah, than anything else. It's a way to cope and not feel. But that yeah. doesn't mean I don't have my own boundaries set up to keep myself safe or anything like that. But that is the way that I primarily look at it. Yeah, I think that's so good. I think many of my listeners, many of the women I know view it as a personal attack on them and that they're not worthy. They're not pretty enough. They're not skinny enough. They're not adventurous enough in the bedroom. But mm -hmm. when I coach men who are trying to stop viewing pornography, what I almost always find is exactly what you said it's a stress relief. It's a coping mechanism, not right. saying their wife isn't enough for them. Almost never have I heard that. Right. And if a husband does tell you that, that it's because of you, they're absolutely wrong. Yeah. They just don't know. Exactly. Totally wrong. And it might, yeah, it's just not true. Another defense mechanism probably, or, or they're so confused. A lot of times these men don't even know. They're like, why can't I stop doing this? I don't want to do this. I don't know why I can't stop because they don't get what's going on in their own minds either. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think if someone, if a husband is telling a wife it's because of them, I think you're right. Like 
it's good to look at it with compassion that they, they, they might think that and that's okay, but it's also them trying to place responsibility for their actions on someone else, you know? So wives, if your husband has said that, or if your husband's friends have said that, or family members, or anybody has said to you, just let it be known now. It is not true. Nope. <laughs> not true. We'll clear that up right now. Okay, so let's go ahead and get started by um, defining what betrayal, do you call it betrayal trauma? Is that how you talk about this? What's your wording? I kind of just use, I usually use trauma, but there are people, I, I also use the word betrayal trauma because that's sort of like the buzzword that a lot of people um, use. But I mean, basically betrayal trauma, it's just a, it's like a way to describe trauma. And okay. so, you know, what trauma is, is a negative event that causes like a separation from self, others, and society. So it usually shakes our core identity it shakes how we see ourselves, it shakes how we see others, and we stop feeling safe in the world. And then, you know, the way I define betrayal trauma would just be if that negative event comes from like a trust, someone that you trust, and that, so that's where you, you know, quote unquote, have been betrayed. Okay. Right? But it could just be someone lying to you. Um, but the term, you know, the terminology, you know, people can use it the way they want to, but that's kind of how I use it. Okay, so to help everybody get a better idea of what this is like, I want you to maybe explain, if you're okay with it, what this initial process may have felt like for you when you found out what was going on and you went through the trauma, like learning what was going on, what you were dealing with, maybe what it feels like for some of your clients, because I'm guessing everybody's experience is just a little bit different, but I kind of want to paint a picture for my listeners of what this looks like, how they might know if they're dealing with trauma or betrayal trauma. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, um, I think one of the, a big indicator could be, you know, if you start feeling like disconnected from everyone around you and you start feeling really lonely, um, that could be a sign that you might, you know, be like if, if something has happened where your husband has lied to you with some, like with pornography and you suddenly start feeling like alone in the world, there could be some mild anxiety or insomnia. Um, and then whenever you try, whenever this, like your thought about the event comes up, if you kind of have this tendency to numb out with food or Netflix or social media, um, that could be something there. Or like some of my clients have like hypervigilance, you know, where they start that they have to know where their husband is all the time. Um, and a lot of times people come to me just really confused and, you know, they're blaming themselves for other, you know, for their husband's actions. Um, but I think the big thing is like, when you feel lonely, you know, you might think that it's because of like the external things that are going on in the world, but it's, it's, it goes back to that dissociation from self, which is what trauma is, right? And so you're actually disconnected from yourself even though it looks like you're kind of disconnected from the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. Could you maybe tell us a little bit about what that felt like for you in the beginning and how you um, kind of recognize, oh, this is not okay. I might need some help. What was going on in your thoughts? Yeah, like for me personally, in the beginning, I didn't know. I didn't know that I like was experiencing trauma. Yeah. Something like that, but I did feel incredible incredibly alone because, you know, my husband came and told me about this thing that he was ashamed about. And I was in turn insanely ashamed about it. And he didn't want me to tell a lot of people. And I was happy, 
be to not tell a lot of people. But then, you know, um, I like kind of isolated myself from the world in a way. And I, you know, had just like a few people that I, I would talk to them about my husband's mental illness, but never about the pornography. Um, so it just felt like really, really lonely. And eventually I went to therapy and it wasn't until my therapist was like, well, you're exhibiting these symptoms, you know, depression and this and this and this. I was like, oh, like, okay. So I had a professional that kind of saw it for me that helped me to kind of see like, oh my gosh, I am like in trauma. I've totally been numbing out and I was doing it in all parts of my life too. Like, yeah, with everything. So if I have a listener who says, maybe that could be me, I might be feeling some of that do you do any kind of consultations, anything like that, if they wanted to talk to you and find out if maybe they're experiencing a similar thing to what you went through? Yeah, yeah, I do free consults for all of them. anyone who comes to me wanting to um, just gain better understanding for themselves or feel out if they want to work with me because I think it can be invaluable for everybody just to have some more clarity of mind before they you know, make any decisions or come to any realizations for themselves. And so it's amazing what having another person, especially someone with experience, um, to help bounce your thoughts off someone because it's amazing. Like, like we see people's blind spots as coaches and, and I, you know, my coach continues to see my blind spots because sometimes we kind of want to like, even if we're like writing in our journal, we want to like skim over the stuff that we don't want to think about. Yeah. And sometimes having a second set of eyes or a second, you know, set of ears can be really beneficial. So, yeah, for sure. I've definitely experienced that in my own life. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. It's uncomfortable, but it's also so good to help with that awareness because that's the first step to, to healing and recovery is just that awareness. So, yeah, for sure. So would you say that you had to kind of go through a grieving process of what your marriage was like before you found out? Is that kind of how it felt to you? Like that part is gone and this new part is here. Tell me more about that. Oh my gosh. And I like, I, I don't know why I just got emotional thinking about it. I think I got emotional thinking about it because I wanted so badly, like in the moment, three years, three, three and a half years ago, I just wanted to go back to my old life. You know, my husband was, you know, he's making six figures as a dentist. I was home with my three kids. Like I just like, I did not want to give up what I thought our marriage could or should be. Right. I had this idea. I had this picture. I was like living it to a degree and I felt like I was entitled to it with everything I'd worked for my whole life, you know, getting my degrees and working while my husband's in dental school and getting my master's and like all the things I thought, okay, this is it. Like I get to live my picture life now. And so there, I resisted for the longest time, like giving up that normal that I thought I deserved. But then I got to a point where I was like, okay, I need to grieve this. And I don't know how, like, I don't know how to grieve this loss. And so I had a professional help me process those emotions and just get really connected to myself um, through my thinking and things like that. And it was incredible, the shift that came after that. Um, but it's just like with any emotion, if we resist it, that doesn't just make it go away. And I had to just accept it and accept my current reality and grieve it to be able to move forward. 
I was going to ask you about that resistance part. I was going to ask if it felt maybe even worse. Not only did it not go away, but did it feel worse than when you finally just opened up to it and said, okay, this part oh is gone and this is my new normal? Yeah, it just gets louder and louder and louder. Like, it's just like anything we try to avoid. It doesn't just, if anyone knows anything about like depression or anxiety, let's like if we use anxiety, um, you know, people, it's like we resist this like emotion that we don't want to process. And then it kind of just gets louder and louder and it keeps up and it keeps up and it keeps up. So until we allow that emotion to pass through us, then it's just going to wait. And so with my, the grief that I had, I had to, I just, I had to have a professional help me work through all of that because just so many like these like really core belief systems that I've grown up with and things that I believed for so long, I got help to work through all that. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Absolutely. So I've heard you say before, speaking of how hard it was and you were mourning this old life that you had worked really hard for. And I don't blame you for that, right? Everybody listening is being like, what? She supported him through dental school. She got her graduate degree. She was having these kids and you were staying home, taking care of the family, worked really hard to do things the quote unquote right way. So, I mean, we're all like in their, your corner being like, yeah, sister, <laughs> you should have been upset. But I've heard you say that after you accepted it and you worked through, your marriage was actually better after than it even was before during that little picture perfect window you thought you were in. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Is that true? And, and tell me more about what you mean, how it was perfect or better than it was before. Yeah. And again, I get like emotional thinking about it because um, it's like, gosh, it's like you, you don't know how good things can be. And so I think, you know, when you think about the future, sometimes like I was looking at it with fear. And so to me, what was certain was our past. That was certain and that was okay. It was fine. Right. But the moment that I like just kind of finally shifted into like, okay, what can I control here? I can control me and what I can do. Um, I gave my husband the space he needed to, you know, continue to work on himself, which he gets to create for himself. It's not something that I did for him, but, um, but it gave me the space to like take care of myself. And then we both were able to like heal independently and just like start enjoying each other for existing as humans instead of for what we're supposed to bring to this like partnership of marriage, you know? Mm -hmm. And the big thing that for me that like my big turning point was like, I remember um, my life coach talking about loving her husband for existing. And the first thing I thought was like, well, obviously she shouldn't have kids. Like she doesn't get it. <laughs> And then I found out she had kids. I was like, well, okay, crap. Well, she's, she's not, she's not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ. So she still doesn't get it. Right. But she did get it. And so I started the way that I was able to turn this around was like, okay, how would I want to be loved? Like, do I want to be loved for like what I bring to the marriage and how I fulfill all my duties and all the things, or do I want to just be loved because I'm a human being on this earth? Like I am a child of God on this earth. How do I want to be loved here? And when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, like, of course, I just want to be loved for me and not for what I'm supposed to do. And so I kind of just like, you know, as I developed that for myself, I also was able, like, I had the capacity to like love my husband in that way. And it like, I know it doesn't sound, if it doesn't sound believable, like that's okay, but it is possible. And it's like, our marriage is 
the best, like the best it's ever been. Right. And if that feels, if it feels like there's too, too much cognitive dissonance, you know, when I say that, you know, you can just think about what it is today and what it could be tomorrow. You don't need to think about how it's just going to be like your dream marriage, but, but it is possible. So just if my biggest takeaway is like, what if it could be, you know, or for you, for people there or for people listening, I guess, what could it be? And then that'll help you kind of see what you can do. There's that hope that you're giving them. I've been there. I felt as low as low can be and I struggled and I grieved and you're a, a perfect example of what it could be. I like the way you said that. When you were talking, it just made me think what you're describing is the pure love of Christ, right? Like that's what he does for us when he's, he loves us no matter what we do and we're here. And, and I know we're, we're not at that level of being like our savior yet. I'm not trying to suggest that we nope. could be at that level, but we strive to emulate what he does. And I think unconditional love is one of the ways that we emulate our savior, right? By just loving others because of who they are. Right. And I don't think people see this, but it really does start with loving yourself. Yes. So good. Thank you for bringing that up. And I will go backwards just a half a second since you said that, like during that grieving process, how do we love ourselves? Because I imagine that space in between, I found out what's going on and okay, our marriage is closer and better because we're sharing and we're finally honest with each other. There's a space in there that's pretty important, right? <laughs> how do we love ourselves through that difficult process in between? Yeah, I think the, well, I think the first thing to do, and you know, there's such a spectrum of like, you know, marriages are so unique and individual. Um, so, you know, these are like my, my thoughts about the general direction that it goes. I think the first thing is safety. Um, like we need to be able to feel safe. Right. And so for some, for some women, it's one thing for others, it's another, um, so find a way to feel safe. And I actually have a great resource on my website on, you know, finding safety and like starting that process towards healing. Um, so figure out what safety means to you. Um, that's like the kind of the first thing, right? Because if we don't feel safe, how can we use our prefrontal cortex to like process all the crap that was just thrown at us? You know what I mean? Yeah. So well, go ahead. I was going to ask you, is it helpful to ask ourselves why the event felt traumatic for us? So, and let's be clear here. Maybe some people are listening thinking, yeah, my husband looked at pornography and I felt that same way, but it could be somebody whose husband was out drinking for months at a time and not know it, or maybe sometimes maybe a gambling addiction, whatever it might be. This could be anything, right? And it, and it can be with other family members, like a parent or, yeah. you know, sibling or things like that too. So this type of trauma, it extends to relationships, not just a spouse. Right. So is it important? It sounded like maybe this is what you're alluding to, but is it important for us to ask ourselves why the event felt traumatic with this person, whoever it might be, and dig down into that? Because some people, to be clear, have husbands who look at pornography and they really don't care. It's just like, oh, that's what men do. It's a normal thing. Converting yeah. through those thoughts be useful? Yes. Yeah, so I think, you know, well, I think you can ask, you know, why would he do that? But I think sometimes before that, it's more just like, sometimes we need to just like validate ourselves first. Okay. 
why am I upset? Not like, why did he do that? Yeah. That's, that's kind of next level, I guess. Mm -hmm. So it's more like, why am I upset? So we need to find safety and then, um, you know, find and validate our anger. That's what a lot of um, the therapists that pioneered the term betrayal trauma, I've I'm, I've gone through a course, I'm going through a course with him where he says like the first thing is to validate our anger. And the point of that is that, you know, we have all these thoughts about something that happened, but until we, if we are like judging our thoughts or if we're talking to people and they're judging our anger and saying, you shouldn't be mad, you should, you should forgive him, you should do this, you should continue to, you know, do this and this and this, like a few times a week, whatever it is, you should, you should, you should, then we're not validating our anger and we're not finishing out our trauma the way that we need to appropriately to move from there to gradual reconnection with self and then the mindset work and the thinking about you know what do I what am I making this mean about me when he does that yeah so, so for my listeners who know me um, and worked with me I'll put it in words that maybe they will understand. I don't usually use the word validation, although I think it's great. I like it. This is your job. And so you're, thank you for being the expert here today. But I would say what that means is feel that emotion that you're in and know that it's okay. Allow that emotion to be there without trying to change it at first. Because once you get really curious and you start to understand that emotion of that anger, that grief, that hurt, that's when you can start to move past it and say, okay, what are my thoughts about the pornography? What are my thoughts about my husband? What are my thoughts about our marriage now? And you can start to manage those. So yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're yeah. saying. Like if you're, if you're judging yourself for having an emotion that you're not going to get past it. So we, we get to just love and appreciate ourselves and understand that we have 40 to 60,000 you know, unconscious thoughts a day or thoughts a day. And the ones that come up at a specific time are the ones that come up at a specific time and that we're choosing to have. And um, so, yeah, like we can't control all 60,000, but we can control this one in this moment and work through it. And yeah. then kind of just continue to like work on each, work on them as they come. And that's where this coaching stuff is insanely invaluable. Because that's what's something that Rhonda teaches and that I teach to my clients. I like what you said about just staying in it and validating it and noticing what's going on and not judging it. One of our peers, I saw her recently talk about how a coach that we both work with had told her, when you have a really strong emotion, it's kind of like a smoke alarm, right? It's like starting to signal something's going on here. Like you probably want to linger over here and check this out. And I love that analogy because we're often really aware, like when we feel super intensely, um, you know, whether it be grief or whatever, like it almost consumes us sometimes if we're not careful. And I loved that analogy. Let's just recognize that as a signal. Something's going on. We need to dig a little deeper. We need to figure this out. We don't want our house to burn down, right? So let's just go take some inventory and see what's going on. And from that space of just noticing it as a signal, then we can start to do what needs to be done and manage. I love that. Like an observer, being an observer instead of like a, a judger, you know? Yes, absolutely. Okay. I'm going to get a little deeper here because I think that we're talking about trauma as one thing that you have to work through. And then my podcast is called Bedroom Confidence. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
So I think those are probably two separate things. Like it's not something that you probably want to dive into all at the same time and be like, let's process this trauma and let's have great sex too, like all at the same time and deal with all of it. In my mind, you tell me if I'm wrong. In my mind, I'm thinking we probably need to treat this as two separate things. Let's process through the trauma. Let's get okay with it. And then we need to also work toward better sexual health or a better sexual relationship separately afterwards because from what i can see if we're experiencing trauma it's really hard to have a safe comfortable vulnerable experience in the bedroom what do you think i think if it's like marital trauma mm -hmm. like with a spouse then i i can see i can see that being the case you tell me I mean? more about your experience because i can see her facial expressions you guys and you can't so <laughs> Tell me, was that the case for you? And yeah, absolutely. I was talking about a marital relationship yeah, trauma, but you're right. If we needed to specify that because we just said this could be with anybody. It could be a sibling. It could be a parent. It could be right. a coworker. Right. So I, I presume that everyone here, like, yeah, understands that. But yeah, for me, um, I, I think that intimacy um, extends beyond the bedroom, which I'm sure mm -hmm. on this podcast people understand. And so... Um, when I was going through my trauma, I did what I wanted to do to feel safe. And, um, I took space when I needed to, and I would, you know, communicate with my husband if I wasn't feeling safe. And, um, and it was a really, it was really healthy. It was very respectful. So like if he had like a relapse or something, I would just kind of communicate, okay, this is like how I want to feel safe this week, you know, or whatever it is. And, um, and I think it made like, it made a really, it made a big difference. And so, um, I don't know, all humans are different. So it's just, but I think the problem with, if you're experiencing betrayal trauma from, you know, um, from a spouse looking at pornography specifically, you know, sometimes we tend to compound the trauma based on the thoughts that we think about him looking at pornography. And so it can be, you know, it almost like brings up all the things that we're already vulnerable and we don't you know, we're already really vulnerable about, vulnerable about, and then, you know, in the bedroom, it's like, it kind of takes that to the next level. And so it can kind of bring up more for wife and husband, right? Mm. Um, so, you know, a lot of husbands might think one thing, you know, about having sex with their wives, and they may feel rejected and make that mean a bunch of things. And, and it can kind of be, by, you know, be, go the other way too. Does that make sense? Yeah, I definitely believe what you're saying. Both people in the relationship have their own thought patterns, their own emotions that are coming from those thought patterns and their own way of showing up based on what they're thinking and feeling in the time for sure. Something I was thinking about too is like when we go through this trauma and we're like, I, maybe I didn't articulate this very well last time, but we go through this trauma and we're like, okay, I'm healthy. Now we're just going to jump back into this sexual relationship and everything's going to be exactly like it was, or maybe like we feel about our emotional connection, maybe even better than it was. And I guess for me on my end, I would say that probably is not always true. It sounds like you were very intentional about how you approached your intimacy with your husband afterwards, because you were more aware of what you needed and what you were feeling. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely not something where it's like, okay, I've graduated. Yeah. <laughs> we're all good now, you know? And so it's like old patterns, old thought patterns may come, may come up down the road and that's totally okay. And if you're in a loving, engaged, you know, relationship, it's just something like you can communicate that to your spouse and generally they'll, for the most part, they'll understand it. And if they don't understand it, that's okay because they're 
feeling, they might be feeling rejected because of the thinking that they're having about what you're saying. And so, yeah, it's just really, it's fascinating when you take, you know, as humans, we all have this like fear of being rejected by the world and by society because we're, you know, if you think like thousands of years ago, we were kind of like, we wanted to be in packs, run in packs. And so we already have that fear. And then sometimes when you add a relate, you know, a marital relationship to that, it like, you know, if you're already rejecting yourself by not taking care of you, then any perception of rejection, especially from a spouse, um, might hurt you a lot. But I will say it will only hurt you as much as you believe it to be true. And so I think like if there was any takeaway with people like experiencing trauma or anything like that is, yes, it's very painful and it can be really hard. But in the long run, I think that trauma can only hurt you as much as you let it. And it can actually bring on post-traumatic growth, which is like such a beautiful thing that tons of humans experience. Or they're experiencing it every day. We just don't talk about it as much. Post-traumatic growth. I like that phrase. And that is not one that we hear very often. I've heard it from you, but it's not something that's being thrown around a lot. Could you tell me just a little bit more in detail, like what is the definition or how would you explain post-traumatic growth for somebody who's maybe like, what do you mean? I don't quite get that. I haven't heard that before. Yeah, I think, I mean, just like the quick idea behind it is that, you know, what, when we experience trauma, there's like, there's always an opportunity for growth that kind of comes from it to become, to live or experience something better than what you have experienced. And so, um, I mean, you could look it up online to get like an exact definition, but I, I will tell you, I feel like me and my husband are both experience, have experienced that um, in our lives. And it's, it really is possible to have a life better than you could dream or imagine. And I think that started with me accepting my reality, processing emotions, and then allowing myself to dream and believe that things can get better because I promise every one of you that things can get better. If you are alive as a human and you have a brain that can function, things can get better. Yeah, I love that. So maybe that's our takeaway from the day. If somebody's listening and they think, you know, I'm in this place and it sucks and I'm feeling mad and resentful at my husband or perhaps angry that I wasn't prepared and I was so blindsided, whatever it might be, it can get better. It, you've heard somebody who's gone through it and you've experienced lots of different angles of this situation in your marriage, right? Like you've, you've been through it. You mentioned before that your husband dealt with some trauma as well. And you've been in the middle working through it. Like you've been through so many aspects of this. Yeah. And there are a lot of other things going on too during this stuff that I'm talking to you guys about. And it made it feel like nothing, it could never get better, but just, it can, I promise you it can. And I'm sure Rhonda can attest to that as well with her clients and you know, how she's helped them too. Yeah, for sure. I believe it can. So this is what we want you to know, sisters. We want you to know it can get better. Go forward with confidence that where you are now, where you are now, if you're grieving, if you're struggling, if you're hurting, this doesn't have to be forever. It is a part of your story now. But if you allow it, it can be a small part of your story, or even if it's a bigger part of your story than you want it to be, it can be the part that helps you grow, that helps you learn, that helps you finally start to understand your relationship and each other and 
as Lindsay just told us, can be better than it was before. Can be better. Any final advice you would give somebody who might be in the throes in the middle of it, Lindsay, before we go? Um, yeah, I think honestly, if you're like, if you're in the throes, cause a lot of my clients come to me after they've seen like been to therapy for like a year or two. But, um, if you are in the throes, which is where I was just, um, just figuring out what you can do today in this moment and don't judge yourself for how you're thinking or feeling. If you're like, if it's that new to you, just allow yourself to, you know, feel what you're feeling without judgment. I think that's the first thing that you can do and find safety too. Yeah. And when you say safety really quick, tell me what you mean by that. Cause I don't actually think we went to that. I'm sorry. I feel like we're going backwards here, but really quick safety. Well, it's just different for everybody. You know, for some, for one person, it might be like if their husband looks at pornography, they might um, not want to be approached physically for a week, you know, or, or one person might, you know, have find a safe space in their house and they might be like, this is my sanctuary. Like no one comes in here, you know? So it's just totally different. I will say I have seen people who kick their husband out of the bedroom just because they're mad. And, but then they, and this does, and this is like a very individual case, but like they'll kick their husband out of the bedroom, but then they'll be in bed worrying about what their husband's doing. So it's good mm -hmm. to just kind of know how you truly can feel safe without like that lingering thing, you know, lingering. Right. Or whatever it is, but just finding safety finding safe people to talk to, you know, safe moments in your day, anything where you can just feel comfortable and safe. Yeah. Got it. All right, my sisters. So if you're in the middle of it and you're just starting this, it's normal what you're feeling, right? All those strong emotions coming up. It's normal. Let's yeah. not judge ourselves. Let's feel it. Keep yourself safe emotionally, figure out what it is that you need right now. What would be helpful for you right now? And, and, and act like, Make sure that that's carried out because take care of yourself, I think is what you're saying, right? Exactly. Yeah. Cause that's the first thing in healing is like, you know, that safety awareness, but developing that self love and unconditional love for yourself. And that's where taking that safe, having that safe space, that's where you can like develop those things. Right. And then after we process through some of those things in a safe way, in a way that we feel okay to grieve and mourn, and that's where we can move forward, right? Get some help. If you need to go to therapy, if you need to find somebody near you, do that. When you're ready to take the next step and get some tools and skills from someone who has been there, reach out to Lindsay. She's here to help you. I'm sure she said she's offering free consults. And by the way, I'll put a link to her website in the podcast description so everybody can find that. But there is hope. Your marriage is not over. And here's the other thing I would say too, you know, for some people, maybe there's a husband who's not willing to work on it. Maybe your situation looks a little bit different than Lindsay's and that's okay too. I'm sure you have clients who go a different route than you did and that's okay. But yes, but there's help out there. That's what we want you to know. All right, sisters, we will talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us and thanks for being on Lindsay. It was super fun talking to you. Of course. We'll see you later. Take care.